All right, so we, as I said, are going to do just a quick uh, review, and it's a lot of uh, a scripture that we're going to read tonight. Um, and then if you have your, um, your outline on the back, you have, you know, this diagram of the church building, and uh, I'll let you continue to wonder what that's about until the close, all right? <clears throat> so I'll get it to you in a minute, all right? So Revelations, we uh, started out week number one. The exile, and so exile just referencing um, John, who was exiled to the island of Patmos. And so that's what it was about. But let's read uh, Revelations 1, 1 through 8, okay? So I'm going to read it. You guys can follow along. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place, he sent and signified it by his angel to the servant John. Again, all right, so he's referencing John the exile. Verse 2, who bore witness to the word of God, to the testimony of Jesus Christ, to all things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace for him who is and was and is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before the throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, has made us king and priest to, God, to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him. The tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. And so, again, following your outline there, we talked about the purpose of the book. We talked about the word apocalypsis. Um, again, most people, when you hear the word apocalypse, think of disaster or the end of the world. And actually what it literally means is uncovering or unveiling a manifestation. And so the first verse in Revelation 1 says it's the, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so it's the unveiling or the uh, manifestation of Christ. And so we study the book of Revelation to know who. Who's, who's the book of Revelation revealed to us? Jesus, all right? So that's, that's the purpose of us, is to, to understand who Jesus is. Uh, the purpose in studying the book, again, Revelation uh, 1, verse 3, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. So there's a promise to those of us who study the book of Revelation. And what is the promise? That we will be blessed. Blessed are those who read. Blessed are those who study uh, the revelation of Jesus. Uh, the last, uh, their point or bullet point under exile is comfort in studying, comfort in studying the book. Um, and here it says 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18, which I think most of us are familiar with. But I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as those who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring him with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another 
with these words. And so I'm going to give you just a few quick uh, quotes that, that um, we uh, read the first time as we went through this. But it says, if your understanding of the book of Revelation does not help you rejoice, you're misunderstanding it. Right? So I, I maybe would, would qualify that statement that if you are a believer and you understand the book of Revelation, then you should rejoice. Right? So if you're not a believer and you come to an understanding of the book of Revelation, what should you probably do? Become a believer, right? Place your faith in Jesus Christ, and then you can rejoice, right? Um, David Jeremiah said, that was a quote from Martin Lloyd-Jones. David Jeremiah says this, Our conduct today is affected by what we know of tomorrow. That's pretty true, isn't it? Our conduct today is affected by what we know of tomorrow. We are told in Revelation that we are on the winning side of history, regardless of how things appear. That's comforting, isn't it? To know that uh, you're on the winning uh, side. Uh, another quote here. As the world conditions worsen, we should not hang our heads in depression or shake our heads in confusion. We should lift up our heads in expectation, for our redemption draws nigh. Isn't that, those are powerful words, aren't they? Uh, again, really a quote from Scripture, but a quote from here in the book in David Jeremiah's book. So the exile, John, week to the martyrs. All right, and so again, uh, the martyrs we can read about in, in Revelation 6, 9 through 11. won't take time to read that uh, tonight, but just kind of following your outline. It says the context of their persecution, um, then the reward of their faithfulness. So in the context, this is going to be um, during the tribulation period, and those who place their faith in Christ, um, and again, getting ahead maybe a little bit, but those who don't receive the mark of the beast... There's going to be, during that tribulation period, uh, a distinct, you either follow Christ or you follow the Antichrist, right, or Satan. And if you choose to follow Christ, as we read in Scripture, what's going to happen to those who uh, refuse to receive the mark or receive to worship Satan and, and uh, they continue to worship Christ? What's going to happen to them? All right, they're going to be persecuted and they're going to be killed. All right. So again, the word here, uh, martyr, should, lead you, should have led you to that answer, right? So those who die for their faith in Revelation 6, 9 through 11, that's who it's ref- referencing, particularly those who die for their faith during the period of the tribulation, right? Uh, and so just kind of some bullet points on that that are, that are, your aunt, are not on your outline is many people will come to Christ during the tribulation period. In fact, in Scripture, that's really the, the next um, great revival that you see in Scripture will take place during the tribulation period. Um, it will take place, many believers, will, many people will become believers for really three main reasons. And we went over this. The, the first is uh, the two witnesses that will come. Uh, if you were here several weeks ago, uh, Dave preached the message on that, on the two witnesses which we'll review here in a minute, the 144,000 Jewish witnesses that will also proclaim repentance and and, uh, grace through Jesus. And then the third point that we mentioned uh, as we were going this on week two was that people will read the Bible. Uh, People will be drawn to read because everyone that they knew that had a Bible or was claimed to be a believer, guess what? They're not here anymore. And so it will just naturally 
uh, draw people to figure out what happened, what took place. And so just reading of Scripture. Um, and then the reward of their faithfulness, which is uh, mentions there on your outline, is Revelation 20, verse 4. The reward was that they'll get back and they'll be able uh, to rule during the 1,000-year millennial reign. All right, so the exile, the martyrs, number three was the 144,000. So again, we vaguely referenced those uh, 144,000 Jewish men uh, who will proclaim repentance, reclaim, uh, proclaim the same message we proclaim now, right? That there's salvation in Jesus, that if you place your faith in Jesus, by the grace of God, you can have salvation, right? So for by grace, you are what? Saved, right? So faith is not really what saves you, is it? What saves you? God's grace. All right? The vehicle that gets you to God's grace is what? The faith. For by grace you're saved, the vehicle through faith. All right? So it's the same message that these 144,000 uh, Jewish men will proclaim. And in Revelation 7, 1 through 8, it references those. I won't read the whole passage, but verse uh, 4 of Revelation 7 says, And I heard the number of those who were sealed... 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel, right? So then it goes in verses 5 through 8 to list the 12 different tribes of Jerusalem, of Israel, excuse me, the 12 tribes, and out of those 12 tribes, there'll be 12,000 men, right? So 12,000 times 12 is, okay, you guys are so brilliant, Jewish believers, right? Then mentioned also in Revelation chapter 14, verse 1, it says, Then I looked, and behold, a lamb standing on the mount, on Mount Zion, excuse me, and with him 140,000, having his father's names written on their foreheads. And verse 9 of Revelation 14 says, And these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, uh, which, excuse me, Revelation 7, verse 9, and this is kind of going on, if you're looking at the bullet points kind of skip most of those, but we're landed here on they are successful. So Revelation 7, 9, again, this is again during the tribulation period that these witnesses will be witnessing, okay? And in Revelation 7, 9, it gives a report of their effectiveness of their witness, all right? Revelation 7, 9, after these things I looked, and behold, the great multitude which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with our robes, with palm branches in their hands. All right. So again, their effectiveness in verse 9 says, a great multitude which no one can number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues. Again, so we'll see uh, during that tribulation period that the earth will see a great revival, a, a coming back to the Lord. Um, so week number four, if you're tracking with us on the outline, is the two, the two witnesses. Again, this is the week that, that uh, Dave um, spoke about Revelations 11, verse 3. It says, And I will give power to my two witnesses. They will prophesy 1,260 days and clothed in sackcloth. Right? For three and a half years, they will proclaim again the same message that the 144,000 witnesses be a message of repentance. Um, they, will be, they will be killed in public, as it lists there in Revelation 11. Then Revelation 11.11 11 says that after they've been killed, it says, Now after three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them. They stood on their feet, 
great fear fell on those who saw them. Right? So what, what happens after they've been killed for all to see, laid in the streets for three and a half days, and then what's going to happen to these two witnesses? The resurrection, right? They're going to be resurrected, and, and the whole world uh, will see. Right? And again, uh, I won't get into all the, the arguments. Uh, most, I, I would uh, tend to say that, that I believe it was uh, Moses, and who was the second one? Right. Anybody in here think it might be Enoch? Okay, it's a possibility. It's funny, uh, when Dave and I were <clears throat> driving back from Oklahoma, uh, we were talking about the two witnesses, and this was uh, maybe a week before um, he was going to teach, and uh, we were just kind of debating back and forth whether it was Moses, Elijah, Moses, and Enoch, and uh, he, I think he, was, uh, he had a good argument for why it was to be Enoch, um, and then he read David Jeremiah's notes and book, and I think he had a good argument for why it would be uh, Elijah now. So it was pretty interesting. So does it really matter? <laughs> to, not to us, does it? Uh, does God know already? Yeah, we don't have to know, right? All right, so the two witnesses again, um, and then week number five is the dragon, right? And who is the dragon? Uh, who is that speaking of? Satan, right? Um, and I'll read this statement here. Since the Garden of Eden, Satan has had a strategy to stop the mission of the Son of God. Since God's Son was to come to the earth through Israel, Satan has worked tirelessly to attack the nation and her coming Messiah. The victory of the Messiah means defeat for the enemy of God. So in Revelation 12, uh, we looked at Revelation 12, verse 1. It says, Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with sun and with moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. Uh, she bore a male child who was to rule the nations with a rod of iron after her child was cut up to God in his throne. All right, so who's, we, we've talked about this, so who's the, the great woman mentioned here? Israel, right? And who's the child that she's going to give birth to? All right, Jesus. So out of the nation of Israel will come the Messiah. Again, and that's what this verse says, the male child will rule the nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up to God and his throne. Right? So in that, you, you see a lot. Right? You see the incarnation of Christ, the male child, and you see the, the, uh, the ascension of Christ, and then you see the rule of Christ as he one day will rule. Um, and so then the, the woman is Israel, the male child is Jesus, the dragon um, is Satan. Right? What is his goal? Here's a, a great quote. From the very beginning, Satan's purpose has been, to destroy, dis, excuse me, has been to destroy the child of the woman. And, and why is that? Uh, it goes all the way back to the fall of man, doesn't it? And then the fall of Satan prior to that. But in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, what did God say? He said, and I will put enmity between you and the woman. And he's talking, who's he talking to? I'll put enmity between you and the woman. He's talking to Satan, right? Because he had deceived the woman. And he says, and between your seed and her seed, he will bruise or crush your head. You shall bruise his heel. All right, so the prophecy that God gave, what he promised Satan was that Jesus... The seed of the woman will do what? Crush him. So does it make sense as to why Satan wanted to destroy the nation of Israel or the Jews? 
Because from the Jews, from the nation of Israel, would be the Messiah who would crush his head. And so, you know, just naturally processing through this, if a person born of that family lineage is going to destroy you, what should you probably do, right? Take care of that family lineage, however possible. So that's why Satan tried to destroy them. Uh, Genesis 12, 3 then. And I made this statement a couple weeks ago, so I'll make, make it again. Um, it says, I will bless those who bless you. This is God speaking of those who would bless the nation of Israel. And I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. All right, so in, for years, and, and even um, in our culture, political culture today, it always seems to go question whether we should side with Israel or not side with Israel, right? And so what, if you're going on what Scripture says, what should we do? Side with Israel or not side with Israel? All right. I think we're all in unison there because why? Genesis 12, 3. I will bless those who bless you. So I will bless those who bless the nation of Israel. The rest of the verse says what? I will curse those who curse you. All right. So I stand on the side of Israel because who is standing on the side of Israel? God is. Okay. It's not really a political statement. It's a biblical statement. I want to be on God's team, right? Anybody else want to be on God's team? All right, because uh, um, spoiler alert, God wins in the end, okay? That's the book of Revelation, right? Week six was the beast from the sea, all right? So the Antichrist. And so this was two weeks ago as we talked about the Antichrist. Um, I'm going to read just a few verses here. 1 John 2, 18. Little children, it is the last hour as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. Every now, many Antichrists have come. Even now, many Antichrists, small letter Antichrists have come, by which we know in the last hour, speaking of the capital A Antichrist, the Antichrist. And so, um, and we'll take time to read all these, but you can see there the scripture that we gave uh, for our outline um, but basically, to kind of wrap this section up and talking about the Antichrist is, um, as you read through Scripture, the, the Antichrist will come to power. And, and, and I do want to read this quote. Let me, let me find this quote again. And this, we read this two weeks ago, but um, speaking of what the stage will look like for the Antichrist to rise to power. Because okay, it doesn't, it, it seems somewhat, maybe not, it seems somewhat, hard to fathom that one person could quickly come and have that much power over everyone. Um, but here's the stage. So um, this is interesting. This was written, this, this quote was written in 1935. Okay, but I think it des- describes what the stage will be like when the Antichrist comes to power. It says, the truth is that the methods of, excuse me, the methods of international committees have failed. What we need is a person, someone of the highest order, or great experience, of great authority, of wide influence, of great energy. Let him come, and let him come quickly. Either a civilian or military man, no matter his nationality, who will cut the red tape, shove out all the committees, wake up all the people, and galvanize all governments into action. And so interesting, that's the the prime minister of Belgium in 1935. And when you think about the rapture taking place and all the believers have left this earth. Can, can you begin to even imagine how chaotic the world will be? 
and the world will be screaming for someone to, to promise peace, right? And to, to restore order. And that's the stage that will be set when the Antichrist uh, comes to power. Um, and, and so then he's going to bring peace, even peace in the Middle East, for three and a half years. And after the three and a half years, then guess what's going to happen? All, all hell is going to break loose, right? And so again, when you think through studying the book of Revelation, it should always bring us back to the importance of the gospel. Should it not? That we, it's, as we sit here, most of you and, that, that are believers and, and you've, you've been through multiple studies of the book of Revelation or Daniel and end-time prophecy, and so how many of you really like the study of end times? Okay, uh, raise your hand. That's a lot of you that are in here. Um, one of the reasons I think people really enjoy the study of end times is because it's, it's kind of reassuring, isn't it? It reminds you of um, God wins, and I'm on the winning team. Isn't that, isn't that kind of reassuring to you? And when we think about that feeling we, we enjoy, rightfully, First Thessalonians says, comfort one another with these words. It's, it's a part of Scripture. It's what we should do. We should study it. We're blessed if we study it. One of the blessings of studying it is comfort. And if that feeling of comfort does not prod us to want someone else to enjoy that same comfort, what good is the comfort? Right? If, if we can just sit in, in the church setting and be comforted that, well, at least all of us in here know, that, that's, that is comforting, but should it stop there? You know, uh, we are all guilty of, um, well, how many of you have ever watched a movie that was so good you just had to go tell someone about it, right? We, we watched the movie uh, The Brave the other day, and just amazing what those firemen went through, and I had to tell people about it, right? And we're all that same way. You go and eat a piece, of, a piece of pizza at some place, it's the best piece of pizza you've ever had, and you've got to tell somebody about it, right? Or you've got to get your Facebook out and tell somebody about it, right? What's the best gift you've ever been given? And as we sit here and study all the chaos that's going to be on the earth that God's going to redeem us from, what should that lead us to do? It should lead us to share. And, and I'm not judging you because I'm just as guilty of holding on to it myself. So the study of the book of end time should always lead us to look outward. Who needs to know this information? It's, it's great for you guys to study and it's great for us to know. But um, those of you who are already believers in the room, you're already believers, Right? I mean, there's only so much value you're going to get out of the book of Revelations because you already belong to Christ. Who needs, who really would get value out of this information? The unsaved people, right? And, and so that should always lead us to want to share our faith. Um, so in that tonight, what I wanted to do, and the reason I rushed through all these six chapters was, as you got this outline or this diagram, excuse me, 
we're going to do something completely different than usual tonight. And so what I want to do is we're going to get up here in a minute. We're going to walk into uh, the sanctuary. And uh, we're going to do, uh, for lack of a better word, just do a, a little prayer walk. Okay, or a prayer sit may be a better one. Uh, and so you see here this different uh, four sections of the auditorium that have particular things that I would encourage you to pray for. So when we walk in there in a minute, I want to encourage you to go to any one of these four sections. Okay, are you tracking with me so far? As you go to that particular section, spend five minutes praying over what's in that box. Okay. There's, the countdown's going to be on the screen when that five minutes is up. Go to one of the other four sections. All right, so your goal is to go to four sections, and how long is that going to take us? 20 minutes. You guys are so smart. All right, and uh, then we will close in prayer together at the, the close of that 20 minutes. All right, if you can't get up and move around a lot, just camp out in a section and pray over all four of them for the different five minutes. All right, we're not going to be uh, Nazis on uh, getting you in the right spot, all right? So uh, I'm just doing that because I'm kind of ADD and I like to get up and move, all right? So uh, let's pray and then we'll go in there. 